0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Dom Giordano on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT.
3: Governor, welcome back. Thanks for joining us.
1: Well, it is a pleasure, Dom. I I have a feeling it may be one of the few days in the world where it is colder in Little Rock than it is in Philadelphia.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I think so. And, Governor, when you won, when I think about interviewing you back then around all that, We'll, we'll get to the evangelicals in um, Iowa. But I remember you struck a blow and we still don't get it. And during COVID, Dr. Marty McCarry says much the same thing about people that are on chronic conditions that really burden the health care system. And if there were more exercise, diet and things of that nature, that you were well, Mr. Fitness uh, during that, we'd be a lot better off and we wouldn't be talking Obamacare so much.
1: Well, 100%, uh, 80% of all the healthcare expenses in this country are for chronic diseases, and those basically go around four things. Cancer, heart attack, uh, diabetes, um, and dementia, or Alzheimer's. Those are the four things that drive 80% of the cost. If we were working more on preventive medicine rather than intervention medicine, we would have a dramatic impact on the economy but we'd also have a dramatic impact on the quality of life for Americans. But the entire healthcare system, top to bottom, is built on treating illnesses, not preventing them. And that's because we train doctors to treat illnesses, to diagnose them, to give them medicines. We don't really train doctors in medical school to help a patient avoid getting the illness in the first place.
3: Now, when you won in 2008, I didn't go back and look. Was John McCain the principal rival in Iowa, or was it somebody else in Iowa?
1: It was Mitt Romney in Iowa. Everyone thought Mitt was going to win Iowa. McCain didn't really play that hard in Iowa. He was focusing on New Hampshire. He was basically doing what Nikki Haley has done uh, and what Chris Christie was doing until his campaign imploded. But it it was – Everybody kind of picked their ground. In this case, it's Ron DeSantis who decided that he's going to lay all of his bets on the table in Iowa. And tonight, if he doesn't do really well, and by well, he not only has to be in second place, he needs to be really close to Donald Trump. Or it looks like that he has failed because his numbers had basically cut in half from the time he started his campaign to where his poll numbers are right now. That's not the trajectory you want It's more of what Jeb Bush experienced, Scott Walker experienced in 2016. Uh, And so DeSantis, I know he says, I'm going to go on no matter what. But, you know, quite frankly, I can tell you this from experience. You go on as far as you can, but when your donors dry up and the media starts ignoring you because they don't think you got a shot, you may not know it's over, but it's over.
3: Yeah, and uh, look, I think the sadness is really substantial in a lot of ways, but is it that just Trump is unexplainable as a phenomenon, you know, like a, a phenom and a Mickey Mantle coming to the big leagues in baseball? There's some explanations, but isn't it some of that? This is one of a kind we're seeing.
1: I think it is. Uh, Donald Trump is a universe unto himself. There's never been another candidate like him. Uh, there may never be another one like him. But he brought with him back in 2016 a level of celebrity that nobody else has ever had in politics, being the head of a major television show that was one of the top-rated shows in television, being a billionaire, having an uh, extraordinary level of notoriety and celebrity status. This time, he comes really as the incumbent president. Now, people can say, well, he's not president right now, but he's done something nobody else in that entire Uh, Field has done. He has been elected. He lived at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue and he might still be there had it not been for some very strange uh, voting phenomena that was uh, related to covid and mail in ballots. And I'm not going to declare that the election was rigged, but there were a lot of unanswered questions. And when people say, oh, that was all debunked, it went to court and they ignored it. No, they didn't really go to court with it. Judges threw every bit of evidence out, so this idea that they looked at all the evidence and there was nothing there, that's simply not true. They never looked at the evidence because they said, well, this guy who's suing doesn't have uh, standing, or Mm -hmm. no, we're just not going to look at it. I don't want to rehash it, but my point is Donald Trump comes into this with something very different, and that is a record of extraordinary success as a president. And he did it against the most phenomenal headwinds that anyone has ever faced. Having all of the alphabet agencies in Washington trying to uh, conduct a political coup d'etat, having the entire intelligence community try to uh, overthrow him, uh, the FBI and the Justice Department conspiring uh, to end his presidency, and then you have the media and the Democrat Party that were in collusion to do anything they could to keep Donald Trump from becoming president again.
3: I wanted to ask you particularly, because you really are second to none, if somebody can answer this. um, Did Vander endorse you then? Is that one of the people that endorsed Mike Huckabee in 2008?
1: He did. Um, We enlisted Bob to help with our campaign. He became uh, he was a paid consultant, you know, and and we paid him to help us because, you know, it was fair to. uh, But there was never any. there was never any secrecy about that. He was a basically right. a staff member of our campaign. And, you know, after that campaign, I think his sort of uh, usefulness certainly enhanced. And since that time, he has uh, always connected to a campaign in one form or another. And as far as I know, he's probably always been compensated for doing it. Uh, you know, he can say, well, no, I, I didn't get anything. You know, I'm sorry. I, I think he probably has gotten something from every campaign that he has endorsed.
3: I'm asking that, Governor, for this reason, though. He endorsed DeSantis, and uh, you have much more knowledge from afar, though. Read a couple of really good pieces, Wall Street Journal, a couple of others, about a whole new wave, due to social media, of other evangelical pastors who I think are supporting Trump. And it's one of the reasons why this guy's not backing the winner this time, Is he always, Vanderplatz as he always does. It's really opened up the field here. And uh, apparently there's traction when you put this coalition of these other ministers together.
1: Oh, without a doubt, Don. And I think one of the realities, it's well known that, that the Santa's campaign um, gave $95,000 to uh, Bob Anderplatz and his organization. And that, that rankled a lot of people. But more importantly, I don't think Bob Vanderplas has still the same stick that he has had in the past where he says this is the guy and everybody says, oh, that's good enough for me. First of all, social media has changed things a lot. People get their information more directly. They don't necessarily say, what does Bob think? Uh, they look for themselves. So, look, anyone would want the endorsement, wouldn't say they wouldn't. I'm <clears throat> sure Trump would have been happy to have it, as would Nikki or anyone else. But I don't think that endorsement moved the needle, and if it did, it moved it in a different way because, as I said, when DeSantis got in the race, Mm -hmm. his numbers were twice as good as they are now, and he really is following, I'd say, a trajectory more like that of Fred Thompson or Mitt Romney than he is of what Rick Santorum or I did when we got into Iowa, ended up surprising people by winning and stayed on our feet for the campaign's uh, endurance. You know, in my case, in 08, I came in second to McCain, won a bunch of states in Super Tuesday. Um, Rick Santorum, you know, continued to be a rival to uh, Romney throughout the 2012 campaign. In 2016, Ted Cruz was the only one that stayed in it long enough to be a rival to Trump. But Trump still overwhelmed him and uh, stormed into uh, the nomination.
3: Yeah, exactly. So, how do you see this uh, shaping up tonight? I wanted to ask you about Nikki Haley because among our listeners, there's um, a lot of antagonism. Uh, the, uh, I, I mean, it seems to me, without a doubt, there's enough evidence here. Trump's biggest legacy, Governor, I think, the Republican Party, and not getting involved in unending wars. Aside from all the other stuff that we talked about, that no. is stuck. And Nikki Haley is on the Liz Dick Cheney side of this. We had Rand Paul on the other day. That's his biggest gripe with her, I think.
1: Well, and I think it's a fair break. Uh, Donald Trump's first president in 72 years, well, other than Reagan, who did not get us in a a shooting war. And everybody thought Donald Trump was a crazed madman who would rush over and push the button and blow the world up. He did the opposite. He actually brought things to a real sense of peace, In large measure, because when he went to NATO, he looked at every one of those people to their faces and said, you're a bunch of slackers and deadbeats, and you're not paying your fair share. If you don't start paying up, we're pulling out. Well, it terrified everybody, and they started paying. He saved NATO by sticking it right to their faces. As a result, there was a peaceful world. I'm going to tell you something, Dom. Putin would never have invaded Ukraine if Donald Trump was still in politics. Tell me
3: why you think that. Is it a wild card of Trump that he would take? What action would he take? Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
0: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Minimum of four lines for twenty five dollars per line per month without autopay pay discount using debit or bank account. Five dollars more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee twenty four monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. Thirty five dollars per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.
1: They don't know. And that's, that's okay. What yeah. they were fea- that's yeah. what they were most fearful of. Yeah. They knew that he could take action as he did when he uh, you know, he basically went in and took care of that Syrian airfield. Yep. It wasn't a war. He just went in while he's having dinner with Chi down at Mar-a-Lago, he says, excuse me a minute, and he comes back and says, oh, I'm sorry, I had to be excused. I went and basically gave the order to blow up those airfields in Syria where the Russians were. Now, what kind of message does that send? Don't screw with this guy, because he, he doesn't sit back and wring his hands. He will do what's necessary uh, to keep people like Putin from acting bad. You know, he may go out and say, oh, Putin's a brilliant guy. That's part of Trump's genius. He will say things about an enemy as if they are his best friend and he is praising them. But deep down, he knows what he's dealing with. We would not have had that horrible massacre in Israel on October the 7th if Donald Trump had been in office. And I'll tell you why very specifically. Donald Trump put maximum pressure economically on the Iranians. Rather than bombing them, he was bankrupting them. They were in such deep problems because they couldn't sell their oil anywhere right because we said you sell your you buy oil from iran you don't do any business with the u.s nobody could afford to do that so trump had iran on the ropes and if he was still in office iran might have already had a revolution and gotten rid of the uh the horrible ayatollah the people might have finally had enough capacity to overthrow it what does biden do he comes in day one he reverses all the energy policies that were making us energy independent for 75 years. First time we were exporting energy. We were prospering. Iran was sucking air. Biden comes in and reverses it. And almost immediately, Iran has $80 billion in oil money. And they're buying up things for Hezbollah and Hamas. And now we've got a mess on our hands in the Middle East. Thank you, Joe Biden. Your policies As Robert Gates so famously said, you've been wrong on every foreign policy decision (laughs) in your
3: life. I remember when he wanted to put uh, Iraq into three different states. Yes, that was uh, another Biden uh, brilliant plan. Governor, uh, you're up to a lot of things. Where do we find Governor Mike Huckabee?
1: Every week I do a television show on Trinity Broadcasting, TBN. You can go to TV. there's a channel finder. It's a great show, if I do say so myself, and a lot of fun. We do it in Nashville with a live studio audience and phenomenal house band made up of session musicians in Nashville. We have a lot of variety on the show, everything from politics to acrobats and comedians and music. It's a fun show with just enough politics to keep it interesting, but not enough to make you want to sit in a warm tub with razor blades in both <laughs> hands. So that's a great thing. But I think, it, you know, in addition to that, I'm on some corporate boards. I own some radio stations. Uh, I'm doing a newsletter every day, involved in some businesses, and still on the speaking circuit. And the truth is, Dom, I'm busier now than I've ever been in my life.
3: Well, you are just a great friend here and uh, unbelievable insight. And when we had you over here at the Media Theater with one of your books, uh, you told me to say we're going to play you out with your band, House Band Capital Offense, Elvis has left the building.
1: <laughs> hey, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, Dom. I hope to do it again soon.
0: Dom Giordano, weekdays, noon till 3, from Talk Radio 1210, WPHD.